Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball, a podcast where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by singer-songwriter Tom Tika. Tom has been playing music since the age of six. He's been in several bands, had several hit songs, and won several awards. So we're going to be talking to him about his career, how he got started, and what he's got coming up and currently working on. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, the pleasure's mine, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? You know, it's like like you already said, it's 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 been a long run. Wouldn't even know where to start, but you're right. I, I sort of fell in love with music, or I remember falling in love with music when I was six. And my parents were were music lovers. And without without lying, there was always something on. They were always listening to records. And one of their favorites was Paul Anka. Even though, I mean, that's sort of slightly old music given for my parents, but they they really, truly liked his stuff. And, and I remember my dad, my mom and dad, they had a had bunch of his LPs, but they also, <laughs> LPs, you know, <laughs> albums. They also had a cassette. You know, you remember those days when people listened to cassettes, music cassettes, tapes in the car? Absolutely. I remember. Mm. And the records. Right. Yeah. And so, but you know, they had, they had Paul Anka's 21 golden hits or was it golden greats or whatever the name was of the album. Anyway, a bunch of singles wrapped up together as they used to do in the fifties. And, and this was a store bought cassette. I was very, uh, cause my mom and dad, usually they taped music and, and, and took, that in in the car so we had these uh blank tapes you know went to the store you got a blank tape you went home and stuck the tape in the in the tape recorder and and put a put an album on and you could record music like that and and take take that to to your car and that's what my mom and dad usually did but then this was a store-bought thing it was very official it had it had the uh um, the case and everything and the artwork and stuff and i was very much fascinated by it and i remember my dad buying it and leaving it in the car and it was on all the time and this one day my dad always took me with him when he uh when when he went to wash the car or fix the car or and whatever you know we went to get gas that day and and i remember him because in those days you couldn't pay at the pump but you filled up your car and you went inside to pay and and i didn't go with my dad he went inside the uh, gas station to pay for the gas and i stayed in the car and 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 he uh, put the cassette on for me and i remember this uh this song called lonely boy came on and was completely mesmerized by it you know it has anka's double track lead vocals and it's a very strong sound and 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 he double tracks himself perfectly it's it's really really well done i remember being very impressed even at the age of six i remember being very impressed by the latin rhythm and 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 the just incredible melody of the song when it goes into the chorus and and really from then 
there it started. I went home. We went went back home. I remember I asked my dad to give me the tape, so I, you know, took it up to my room. I had a my parents' old Grundig tape player, and I played the heck out of that tape. My th- I don't think my dad ever got it back, but I don't think he minded at all. But that was the start. You know, I, I fell in love with that tape and and decided right there and then that I wanted to become a songwriter. And pretty soon afterwards, I started learning the basics of guitar and, you know, writing songs. I was very determined. I think at that point, nobody could have stopped me. My mom and dad sort of did because I was playing so many hours a day. that They were, they never had really any peace and quiet, but you no. Know, Man, they managed to live through it. I must have been awful at first. Some of the stuff I wrote was pretty, you know, bad. I, I remember the first song I ever wrote because I was six. It was called the Coca-Cola song. And I still remember it. It's, it's a hideous song, you know, plagued by the memory of that. But that's, that's, that's how I got my start. Well, what kind of music would you say that you consider yourself doing? What, what kind of singer are you? That's a really difficult question, by the way, because uh, a lot of the influences, my influences, basically, those are the music that my parents used to listen to. And that's like the late 60s and 70s stuff. And back then, back then, if, if you look at what was going on in music back then and you look at the charts, they were a lot more eclectic than they are now. And so pop rock would would basically that would be a rather wide concept really seriously it would be on the one hand you'd have herman and hermits doing mrs brown you've got a lovely daughter which is really sappy you know it's just straightforward 60s pop and it's a song you could basically pour on your pancakes if <laughs> that'd be possible and then on the other hand you'd have a lot of the you know adventurous beatles music in the late 60s and then everything in between. But nowadays, when it came time, when the impersonator signed my, my band, before I started recording solo albums for MTS Records, when the impersonators got signed in 2017 and the label wanted to know what kind of music we're doing, what's your genre, what should we call this? We had tremendous difficulties. When we back Back in the day, it would have been called pop rock. But nowadays doesn't really exist as such there's there's pop which is synthesized and auto-tuned and then there's rock which is a lot heavier than what i'm doing and very seldom these two genres mix and for some reason or another when i started investigating this which which is kind of silly but i did because because it's very very important that for example when you submit your songs to competitions that you submit them under the right genre, because if, if, if you don't, then you got a bunch of pop lovers deciding your fate. And then if you put a song like, for example, that starts my new album called Bullet in the Head, you put it there, it's going to be basically disqualified. And so I took a little bit of time to get to the bottom of the genres a few years ago. And what I found that where there used to be about 20 genres, there are now about 200 and there's, uh, you know, just even under punk, there are multiple different punk sub genres. They're called. I just thought it's crazy. I think punk is punk. Rock is rock. Pop is pop. And I don't really feel like that. You need to 
label your music down to i mean label it that accurately uh, but for some odd reason these days you do and so i would i would it's a very long answer by the way but if i had to label label it that's the backdrop if i had to label the stuff that i'm doing i'd probably call it retro flavored pop rock with a modern twist yeah you talked about the impersonators one of the bands that you were in tell us about some of the other bands you were in and what you guys did and why you disbanded well carmen gray was basically the first i was always in bands i suppose you know i got my first recording contract when i was 16 and then then first real one i i suppose that actually materialized where i ended up in the studio making a record when i was 21 and so but those were all for small labels and and they really didn't you know it just nothing really came out of those but carmen gray was my brother's band first and then it became our band when he asked me to start writing songs with him for the group and that was uh that was an incredible trip we we got signed by sony bmg at first and we recorded two albums for sony and then then got dropped <laughs> and then got signed by warner brothers after we paid for the next single ourselves or rather the carmen grace manager paid he took a huge risk and released it and it became one of the biggest hits of all time in scandinavia and so all of a sudden we we were back you know, being loved and people were shoving record deals down our throats. You know, it was kind of, we could choose anything. And so we, we chose Warner and, uh, and then made another album, Gates of Loneliness, which is probably what it's one of my, one of the, one of my favorite albums of, of, you know, my music. Uh, I think it was, it was brilliant. I think we got exactly what we wanted in the studio. And I love that record still. It, I don't think it has a weak song on it, but you know, everybody had been playing together more than a decade at that point. And, and so when it came time to go back to the studio to record a fourth album, it just kind of, we just weren't able to do it. We, we got an EP out of it, which I, which I like a lot. And, and it, that EP had a lot of hits, three hits, actually, it's got five songs and three of them became radio hits. And we were always supposed to go and finish another EP, but and we even recorded all that. that stuff is recorded, by the way. It's somewhere. Somebody has it. I don't know where it is, but there's five songs fully recorded. They're just, they're not mixed or mastered because nobody could be bothered. People were losing interest. And it was, it was basically the end. And this is, this was a, this was a difficult phase for me. Not only was Carmen Gray breaking up, but my first marriage was, uh, on the rocks and we deep got divorced with my ex-wife uh round about that time and so <laughs> you can just imagine you know within six months i had lost the band my wife and for a brief while my kids and and you know i didn't really have a direction or didn't know what to do next so i went back to the university and that's where i met the audio who is the other half of the impersonators and and we kind of got together and uh he was a music lover i was a music lover 
I remember we took this, uh, we, uh, we were on this course, uh, uh, cause I was okay. So maybe, you know, go back a little bit. I was late registering because I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back, back to school, but that seemed to be the only option for me at that point. So I was late registering and, and the only, only classes that I could take were not exactly the classes I wanted to take. And so there was this class, Auntie had the same problem. He was late registering. And so we ended up in this class called feminist poetry, or that was the class. And uh, we were the only guys there. And we became study buddies and, and figured out that, you know, we're both music lovers. And I mean, neither one of us weren't really interested in doing the work for the course. We managed through it somehow, but we were talking about music and he would be introducing me to groups like the zombies. I mean, I knew knew of the zombies, but he had he had a box set by them. I hadn't really explored the band to the extent that I should have. And I introduced him to the River Detectives, which is a slightly obscure British band, and 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 really became fast friends. And and then you know, just maybe, and this is like I want to say this was in 2012. I mean, 2013, at some point, out of the blue, Auntie sends me a poem titled Ghost Town Radio. And I just, you know, it came as a text message and clicked it open. And there's this poem. And I read it and I thought it was really, really, really cool. Very, very impressive rock poetry. And I just sent him a message back. It's like, is this yours? And he's like, yeah, it's mine. I said, this is great, you know. And I wrote a, wrote a melody to that those lyrics and that became the first song we ever wrote and really that was the start of the impersonators and and that's how the impersonators got started well you've won several awards and had several hit songs kind of tell us about those awards and the songs and how it felt to get those accolades well it always feels wonderful especially the issa award that i won a couple of I want to say a couple of weeks ago, but this was in August. So a couple of months ago, emerging international male artist of the year. Whenever you win, win something. It's a wonderful feeling because, it, you know, it just you, you've touched somebody with your music and and people appreciate what you're doing. It's the same thing with hit songs. I think that, you know, I'm going to probably come across big headed by saying that I never get tired of those. But let me explain the reason. The only thing that I've, I've been, I mean, I've gotten very lucky in music, really, truly lucky. And, you know, I, I've gotten discovered by the right people exactly at the right time. And people who've taken genuine interest in my music and have helped me along. But the only reason why I ever really wanted to become a songwriter, and this has always been the case, was that I've always just wanted to touch people with my art, my music. I, you know, whether I don't think that I ever specified it in my head, you know, whether the audience is small or big. I just, I just always wanted to have an audience, a bunch of people who enjoy what I'm doing. You know, they're nodding their heads to my stuff. And, and really, you know, that's why I keep doing it. That's why I'm still involved. Even after all these years, I, if I can bring happiness or, you know, moment of relaxation or, you know, just give somebody an opportunity to take a break from 
reality for a little bit, you know, close their eyes, listen to my music. Then if, if I can make that happen, or if somebody can make that happen, or rather if it happens, then I'm on cloud nine. And so from that perspective, winning awards and getting hit songs, it, it feels wonderful because then it means that what you're doing not only transcends, but, but it, it touches folks. Let's talk about your current and upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about. Well, right now, oh man, I'm working on so many things right now simultaneously. I was just telling telling my wife this morning that I'm actually a bit stressed out. But there's there's I'm working on two albums. One is the Impersonators album, and I'm working on that with Anti Audio, and then there's and our producer. And then there's my solo record, which is the Tom Tick and the Missing Hopcaps next album, which is which is basically also um, coming along now. And, and I'm working on that with with Yannis Aksa. And, and then both these projects have my label head, Michael Stover, as executive producer. And so, so basically the Impersonators record is more or less done it's it's i've recorded everything for it so now i'm in the process of sending Jan our files he's gonna finish the mixes and and maybe we'll play a little bit of guitar here and there or or add something but but at this point it's just you know that record is ready to be polished up it'll be titled rainbows and dead flowers and my solo album which is going to be released later on next year I'm working on the singles right now. And, and the first one's completely finished. It's going to come out 1st of December. And it'll be called By 2022. Sort of a New Year's track, really. And I, I quite like the lyrics. That, you know, if you look at them quickly, you think it's a love song or, you know, broken-hearted love song. But if you look at them, look at it closely, if you really, truly look at the lyrics closely, you realize that I'm singing it too to the year 2022. And so, so I'm quite excited about that. We finished the music video for that today, actually. And, and I haven't checked, but, but, the, but the cover for that single is done as well. Everything's sort of almost ready for that. And, and then there's a couple of other things, I think in early February and April, then the third one. And then I'm hoping that the album's going to come out in late summer. And but that's still sort of that's a work in progress. The Impersonators album, uh, depending on when that comes out, they're both going to come out next year. But depending on when we release the Impersonators album, the Hopcaps album is going to come out either in August or September, perhaps even October. We'll see. But those are the two projects that are up upcoming, and there will be singles starting December first this year. Three three hopcap singles by by September and two impersonators sing. So I guess I should have asked you this in the beginning, but where are you where are you originally from? I was born in Finland, but we moved to the States when I was four. And and then my life is well, I, I mean I've I've seen I've seen I want to say I've seen seventy percent of the planet, but in reality probably sixty five. You know, I 
my life was between Finland and the U.S. When I was a kid, we li- I lived in Ohio and later on in California. And But we always, you know, came to Finland for Christmases and summer vacations. And, and then I'm, you know, I moved here about 15 years ago permanently. And, you know, I've been back a couple of times. I've been back to the States a couple of times. And I'm now, because of Corona, I, you know, I haven't had a chance, but I'm sure looking forward to, you know, coming over there once again to check out the, well, it's funny to say the old country because this actually is the old country where I'm now, but, you know, where I grew up. Well, I usually do this to musicians when I have them on. Why don't you go ahead and give us a little acapella or one of your favorite songs or a hit song or something so the listeners can kind of hear what it sounds like. Oh, just sing it. Sing it. Absolutely. Well, how about rodeo? It's true. Like a fool. I put my trust and faith in you. You were my first rodeo. Hope. There. That's impersonators song that actually begins a cappella with that. So I have no idea what it sounded like, man, but you know. Oh, no, it's, it's good. It's good. Well, why don't you give us some final thoughts to go ahead and close it out? Give us a, uh, all right, actually, before you do that, give us your contact information. How can people connect with you, get your music, any websites, any social media links so the listeners can connect with you? I think that the best place to go to is www.tomtika.com. You know, if whatever's happening, you'll find there. And it's got, it's a great source of all the lyrics are there. Both impersonators and my solo album, digital booklets are there and, and the music videos, everything, you know, I think, TomTicker.com is, is, is really the place to go. It's got, you know, under one of the tabs, there's a separate page for the impersonators. I think that's really where, where folks can find stuff the easiest. And in terms, of, in terms of the social media, I don't really have social media accounts for my solo projects, for solo project yet. I use the impersonators. And I probably should label the pages the impersonation impersonator slash Tom Tick on the missing hopcaps. But I haven't gotten around to it. I will at some point. I don't I don't want two different accounts because it's updating even the, the existing ones in, in Twitter and Facebook and Instagram every once in a while. I think it's a it's a lot of work. And I like social media, don't get me wrong, but I'm not I'm not like a social media shark, if you know what I mean. It just, that's not my, uh, that's not my scene in, in necessarily, but obviously it's a great resource and it's where people find you. And so, so if you, if you look for the impersonators, Twitter pages, Facebook pages and, and Instagram pages, then, you know, you'll find my, the stuff that I post on those accounts. But there are links, links on, you know, if you go to tomtica.com and there are those small icons, you tap the Facebook icon, it'll take you to Facebook, the right Facebook account and so forth. So going back to what I said about tomtica.com, everything's there. It's, it's the best resource. And obviously both the impersonators and, and Tom Tika and the missing Hopkins can be found on all streams. So it's out there. 
Sounds good. Why don't you give us some final thoughts to close it out? Well, you know, I think that some final thoughts, stuff that I've been, you know, I've, I lost my, sadly, I lost my dad a couple of years ago. And I've come to the conclusion that, you know, final thoughts to anybody listening, I suppose, don't waste time. It's, it all goes by so much faster than, than you'd ever think. It's, it's crazy when I think about when I was younger, the situations that, you know, I found mine in life and find my, found myself in in life and, you know, just decided to live through stuff that wasn't making me happy. You know, if there's just any, you know, as a final thought and just, if, just to everybody, if you're not happy, change your life. Because, you know, in the end, really, as Thomas Jefferson points out, it's one of my favorite quotes. It's really not the years in your life that count. It's so that's my final thought. Right, ladies and gentlemen, TomTika.com. Please be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible after listening. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Tom Tika, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.